Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. everybody this is byron lambert from rosterwatch.com and i welcome you back for another season of the exclusive rosterwatch.com tradecast uh, this is the podcast uh, that we put out every week throughout the trade season where we analyze the fantasy football trade market and give you actionable advice on who to sell who to target um, how to construct uh, those deals and you know what the right deals are at the you know right level of the season, the right juncture of the season, the right time of the season, because we're going to adjust our trade strategy as we move through the season, as you stick with us here every week at rosterwatch.com. So speaking of the trade season, of course, uh, it has begun in earnest because we have our first 0-3 teams of the season. Uh, We also do have our first bye weeks uh, hitting this week. That's going to be with the Jets and the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, let me give you a couple rules to save you some time because it can be, you know, a pretty big undertaking to manage your team with, you know, expert quality management throughout the season. Because look, we always talk about how, you know, important our fantasy drafts are, but you know, the other components of this thing is we got to work waivers, we got to work trades every week of the season if we really want to be maniacal about winning our leagues, if we want to put ourselves in the best position possible. Uh, to win our league. So uh, what we want to do is we kind of want to optimize our time here. So I'm going to give you guys a couple of hints, uh, a couple of tips on how you can save some time uh, working the trade market this season. You know, the first thing to do is, you know, figure out, do you have any sell high players on your roster? So listen to this podcast. I'll give you the sells or the sell highs every week. And the first thing that you should do is look at your roster and say, hey, do, do I roster any of those guys? If so, okay, I've got a sell high. That is going to encourage me to enter the trade market this week and get something done. It's a little bit like the waiver wire cheat sheet where I'll, I'll always tell you, you know, waivers can take a lot of time every week if you're kind of a perfectionist about it. Um, oftentimes I'll have 15 or 20 waivers set in a, in a single league that takes a while, you know, so one thing I always do, uh, you know, and over the course of a busy season and through a busy week is the first thing I do on Tuesday nights when I'm about to set waivers is I look at my team to figure out if I even have anybody to drop in the first place, 
Because if I don't, I can just forget the headache and save myself the time and save my bandwidth for, you know, later in the season. It's a long season. And so, you know, it's not necessarily exclusive like that on the trade market where you're only going to enter the market if you have a sell high. I mean, you're still going to enter the market looking for being opportunistic for buy low candidates throughout the season. But these are the weeks that you're most likely to get something done, uh, to be active on the trade market. Uh, and to work to your benefit is once you've identified, do I have any sell high players on my team this week? If so, okay, now I really need to start looking at what possible trades I can make uh, to improve my team. The other tip that I'd give you guys to save your time and improve your chances of on the trade market uh, are, you know, make sure when you, the first thing you do when you're in your league page is go to the standings and don't even waste your time really looking at the teams at the top. Just go to the losing teams at the bottom. And those are mainly the teams you want to be targeting and perusing their rosters and figuring out what types of trades you may be able to construct there. So of course, Heading into week four, that's really only going to be the 0-3 teams this week. So those are the teams I uh, certainly will encourage you this week to go through and look at every 0-3 team in your league. Look at their roster and see if there's any any players that you see a value, you feel that you can uh, pick them off for. Now, the last bit of advice here is uh, we set out uh, for the season on the trade market, guys, is dealing with the chicken littles in your league. There are some, those are the folks that will waste the most time in your entire life and especially in your fantasy football leagues. The guys that will constantly tease you with trade talks or, you know, kind of verbal type offers. Uh, They'll agree to things in principle, but then once you actually send the trade, they'll never do anything with it. They just let it sit there. It's beyond frustrating. It's a huge waste of time. You know, we have a limited amount of bandwidth and we need to optimize it as we, you know, apply it over the course of the season and dealing with chicken littles is not the way to go. So once I recognize who a chicken little is in my league, I just almost quit dealing with them, period. I won't even entertain discussions with them. But if you do want to deal with them, the way to go about it is, and really this is a rule that you should be using in any trade talks, regardless of the trade partner out there, it's going to save you a lot of time and you're going to get better deals done this way, is don't ever get too involved in a verbal, uh, you know, cursory negotiation over a deal that you, you're interested in, in consummating. And the best move to make is always, if somebody throws something out there that you're interested in, don't give them a tell that you're interested. You know, don't say, yeah, I'll accept that. The minute these chicken littles hear that, they'll never offer it to you. You just keep a straight poker face, pretty stoic, and you just let these folks know uh, to send it over so you can have a look. And then, you know, if it, especially if it's a deal you already know you like a whole lot, you're not going to scare them off in that process unless they're already wise to this, which they may or may not be. But if you can get them to send it over, then you can actually go in and click accept and save yourself a bunch of time over this back and forth stuff that's ultimately never going to result in anything with a lot of these folks. So always tell the other party to send the offer over. That way you can actually just either run to your computer and click accept or you are at least now in control of the situation and you can quit, you can quit wasting your time. You know what I mean? It's not to, it's not to say that you shouldn't 
uh, make some offers on your own with folks that maybe you look, there's some guys in my league. I just don't talk to you. I don't text them. I don't talk to them on the phone. Those guys, I will have to make some offers. Uh, but the folks who are approaching me, you know, bar none, I am, I am doing my damnedest to get them to send the offers. And that's the way that I want to accept those. Um, Guys, the market opens pretty big this week with over 40 guys in play. It's a pretty robust offering on the trade market. Uh, the headliner here this week is definitely got to be the buy low wide receivers, including some super elite options. Uh, you know, just kind of a rule that we want to live by on the trade market over time is that you know most of the time we want to consolidate. I'll refer to it as the player equity on our roster. We want to consolidate that incrementally in levels throughout the course of the season and over the big picture uh, of the season. And what do, what do I mean by that? I mean that mostly we want to look to do two-for-one trades where we can trade two players For one player, we view as a more premium player in return, and we can then open a roster spot up on our bench that we can continue to work via waivers, and we can uh, then continue to add some other really valuable guys. And and what what, what that will slowly do is, number one, it'll prepare you for the attrition of the season. It'll fortify your roster. But it will also slowly improve the entirety of your roster top to bottom to the point where we've built the best depth in our entire league. And so that's how we will consolidate incrementally throughout the season. And then ultimately, you know, the final piece will be right before our fantasy playoffs. We'll want to eventually consolidate all of that depth from our bench into the best starting lineup that you've ever seen, you know, for the fantasy playoffs. So if you just stick right here all season, I'll walk you through all of it. Uh, If you use the tools over at rosterwatch.com, they'll be super helpful. I'll certainly be uh, referencing, you know, those here during this podcast on a weekly basis. A a lot of, a lot of those metrics and and a lot of the analysis that I can take away from those tools goes into uh, analyzing uh, the trade market. Of course, so do the message boards over at rosterwatch.com. Uh, myself, Alex, the trash man, we all spend a lot of time inside the message boards at rosterwatch personally answering user questions, you know, all season long. And that's where I get a lot of my ideas for the trade cast as well, because it's what I see what's going on in the marketplace. I see the guys people are talking about, the guys people are worried about, the guys people want to know, you know, what the hell should I do with this player? And so I take a lot of that. I put that into this weekly trade cast as well. Um, you know, so I would encourage you guys to, if you haven't checked out the site, rosterwatch.com, follow us on Twitter at rosterwatch. Of course, the podcast right here on iTunes. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And then, uh, you know, we would respectfully ask for a rating and, and review. We would certainly appreciate that very, very much. I know Alex, has been recently giving away free annual pro memberships at rosterwatch.com to random folks who have come in and left uh, nice reviews over on uh, iTunes for the Roster Watch podcast. Uh, One last bit of housekeeping here. Uh, We will 
throughout the season. We've done it the first two Sundays of the season. Uh, we will be hosting, co-hosting a live free sit-start on Sunday mornings before kickoff. It's it's gonna it's a it's a flex six sit-start uh, live YouTube stream where we'll be answering, taking all of your questions. Uh, helping you uh, formalize your best starting lineup for the week. I'll be joining our friends over from the Flex Network. Uh, guys who've come up through the Roster Watch community will also there be uh, co-hosting and answering your questions, helping you with your lineups. And uh, that's typically going on from about 10 to noon Eastern. So it's a two-hour window, and I try to hop in there for as long as I can. So we we certainly invite all of you uh, to come join us there on Sunday mornings. You'll be able to find the link to that live YouTube show, uh, that live sit start on rosterwatch.com every Sunday morning right around 10 a.m. Eastern. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into the trade market. Let's begin this look, you know, let's begin this deep dive in New England and take a look at Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead, uh, two players that I know kind of feels like they're heading in opposite directions and folks want to know, you know what they should be doing with them. Uh, Sony Michelle, 57.69% touchdown dependency rate through the first three weeks of the season, only 2.4 yards per carry. Sony Michelle at 15 touches per game. You know, it's a little bit what we were concerned about leaving Patriots camp. You know, he's only averaging seven points per game. He had the fumble last week. He's only had one target on the season. It's really only been one solid game for Michelle and two forgettables. And what we were worried about, you know, from camp were the two things that this could always devolve into the quintessential Patriots backfield, which it appears it may be beginning to do as Rex Burkhead continues to, really show his stripes and we all know we still have Damian Williams the rookie out of Alabama in the bullpen so it remains to be seen how he may eventually be integrated over there you know I'd say the main concern though leaving training camp even though while we were there Burkhead was sidelined it was pretty clear Michelle was going to be the lead guy heading into the season that's in fact what we've gotten so all of that intelligence was accurate but we really didn't ultimately end up even though we saw that in New England didn't end up with that much exposure to Sony Michelle uh, in our drafts uh, he was a little bit overvalued but you know the main concern in addition to this just being a Patriots backfield is that our insiders in New England told us you know as good of an offseason as Sonny Michelle was having, and it was certainly a far better offseason than he'd had in his rookie year, that as folks close to the team, they would they would certainly not lose sight of the fact that Michelle has a chronic and balky knee. And that in some way, at some point, if they were betting folks, they would expect that to affect Sony Michelle's trajectory throughout the fantasy season. And when you see the 2.4 yards per carry in what looks like a plotting one and two first and second down back out of Sonny Michelle, a guy who used to look dynamic coming out of college just a few years ago, that may actually be where the knee is creeping up. It hasn't actually been so much in the – and he hasn't hit the 18 to 20 touch mark. I don't think we ever expected that. I think we expected 15 to 18 touches out of the gate. He's come out with 15, so you, you could say that – Maybe they're already managing his workload a little bit there, but I'd say it's the overall 
juice that looks like it's been sapped from Sony Michelle uh, that concerns me a little bit here. And that may be the result of the knee. So, you know, he may ultimately be a hold. Other people might not be interested, but I would say it's definitely worth seeing what you can do here for Sony Michelle while it's still early in the season, while some folks that aren't as informed as you uh, may still think he's just the lead guy on a great Patriots offense who's just lost Antonio Brown and could return to the run game a little bit. It certainly concerns me. We've seen snap count percentages um, of 33%, 49%, and 22% for Sony Michelle out of the gate. Those are not inspiring numbers either. It's going to be a very difficult proposition to be a reliable fantasy asset at a 58% touchdown dependency on some kind of 30% snap count. Uh, count us out on that. If we can ship Sony Michelle in the right deal right now, I would certainly uh, – Consider doing that. That absolutely, and we get some examples maybe a little later in the podcast how we would think about doing that. On the other hand, Rex Burkhead, who came out with seventy four percent snap count last week, I mean, he looks like a keep. By the way, this was kind of an afterthought heading into the season. Missed most of training camp. He's been so injury prone, or at least missed a good chunk of training camp. Been so injury prone. Uh, he was a late round flyer, or undrafted. Uh, for most, I, I think he looks like a keep for what you either drafted him as or for what you did getting him off the free agent wire. Like a really nice player to have at the bottom of your roster right now, Rex Burkhead. But of course, if I could use him to put me over the top in a deal for a premium player, I would do it. I mean, this is what we're talking about consolidating the player equity on your roster and leveling up at every turn throughout the season. At first, it's going to be for the entirety of our roster, really our bench. Uh, and then it, towards the end of the season, we're going to front load all of this into our starting roster. And, you know, so a guy like Sony Michelle, a guy like Rex Burkhead, if we can package uh, either one of those with another player and level up to a more premium player in return, open a roster spot, uh, that's, the, that's what we're thinking about doing. But I would say at this point, Rex Burkhead, like if I'm giving him up, I definitely – it better be for a solid player – in return, I mean, he is to some extent, by definition, a bit of a sell high, though, at 10 points per game, uh, you know, in a three way timeshare with James White coming back. And you know, I think folks might forget James White was out last week with the birth of his child. You know, on the other hand, Sonny Michelle is fading. You know, he's he is fading. It looks like uh, that that does work to Burkhead's advantage and Burkhead has been super efficient so far at 12.33 touches per game that's a sustainable touch rate for him 4.7 yards per carry the six targets per game Uh, some of that has maybe been at James White's expense and that could level out a bit but six targets per game that's a beautiful number for Rex Burkhead and so is you know he's at about three quarters of a point fantasy point per touch in standard that's a sustainable uh, clip for Rex Burkhead. So if you got him, good for you. Keep him if you can. Uh, he's definitely a guy, though, that if I can get a good player back in return for two for one, I'm, you know, if Burkhead's the kind of guy that's gonna gonna put a deal over the top for a player I really want, uh, certainly happy to do it. That feels like uh, winning for free right there. Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, guys, these are running backs that we we may consider selling this week. Um, Zero percent touchdown dependency for Miles Sanders. A lot of times we'll 
say that a low touchdown dependency metric, you can find all of these for the top 100 running backs and wide receivers on the season throughout the season, every week of the season at rosterwatch.com, uh, the touchdown dependency tool. At this point, most of you guys have heard this that metric. We actually, I mean, we created that back in 2000. 11 and um, since it's become a bit of a staple in the industry if you can read uh, over on the tool you know it, it gives you a little bit of a chart and how to interpret that and what touchdown dependency means to us uh, but sometimes when you have a guy that's zero percent touchdown dependent you have to read the writing on the wall and realize that this is just a guy that doesn't have a high propensity to score this year and Miles Sanders looked very good in red zone uh, when I was at Eagles training camp this summer, and we certainly think he's got the chops to operate down there. But a Doug Peterson timeshare is certainly going to cap, you know, his 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 opportunities to score at 13 touches per game, only 3.33 targets per game. That's not enough for Miles Sanders. You drafted him because you thought he could really catch the football and potentially become a PPR maven. Um, He did have the big breakout last week, but it was on his lowest snap count of the season. Miles Sanders, rookie Philadelphia Eagles running back. He's been basically a 33 to 50% snap percent guys through three weeks of the season. You know, I like him, you know, I like him more obviously than somebody like a Burkhead, but to me those guys are a little bit of a same boat. If I can use them as an enticing chip right now, coming out off of a good game or off of some good games to put me over the top on a deal for a player I really want, I'm certainly uh, willing to part with Miles Sanders in that case. I think we're seeing him pretty much for at least over at roster watch what we thought he was which is going to be a really good committee back but just overvalued for his adp most of the summer it's just a problem the way they use their running backs there in philadelphia so if there's somebody that thing in your league that maybe is hot and heavy for miles sanders thinking that we finally saw his breakout and they're not as informed as you to know that once you drill down it was actually his lowest snap count you know of the season and and they're not really diving into his targets and his in his touches they're just seeing the production and this was a guy they had a handle on or a beat on preseason i mean that might be a great target uh you know to ship miles sanders off in a deal and a combo deal for somebody you know better austin eckler los angeles chargers you know at this point with the news coming in that melvin gordon could be nearing a return I could be taking a little sheen off here. And, you know, certainly you're happy with whatever you've gotten out of Eckler to begin. This was, you know, I think there were some that drafted him expecting him, expecting potential contributions throughout the whole year. We always told you that was ridiculous because Eckler, who, and I've been on the front lines of the Austin Eckler fantasy, I don't want to say fan club, but uh, truther, at least, you know, last year, that was the last couple of years uh, from Chargers camp telling you guys that was a viable player that, could be played in a PPR scenario where he had to be. And that's certainly shown itself to be true. But I also know that Austin Eckler is one of these guys that's ultimately going to peter out in the big picture. He doesn't have the frame. He doesn't have the juice. He's, he, he can be good in a one or two game scenario. But over time, you know, he's going to kind of peter out. So, you know, certainly you're happy with what you've gotten. But if your expectations are really much beyond that, uh, you probably – uh, need to you probably need to 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 manage those expectations a little bit better. Uh, Austin Eckler, his fantasy points have decreased every week so far. Uh, like I said, Melvin Gordon inching uh, closer to coming back. Uh, I will say Eckler is still obviously valuable 
you know, in Gordon's absence, but he's not going to win you the season. He never has. So if the sheen hasn't worn off too much in my league and I own Austin Eckler, I'm certainly uh, thinking about shipping him off right now. I would go after a buy low wide receiver one or very high end buy low wide receiver two. Um, You know, if I could buy a couple of flex plays that I think I'm buying low on, and if I needed to go in the other direction and, you know, for whatever reason needed to earn a couple of players out of this trade, you know, I could ship Eckler off for a couple of flex plays that I think have upside who I like right now. I'd have, I'd have no problem with that and just, you know, move on with my life and quit while I'm ahead on Austin Eckler. It would be a bit of a smash and dash, if you will, as Austin Eckler's fantasy points already starting to peter out, decreasing uh, every week of this season so far. Guys, if you can if you can get a solid deal for Austin Eckler, I think this is the time to move on. Mark Ingram, Baltimore Ravens running back, another player that we've been all over the entire offseason. I spent two days at Ravens camp. This thing is shaped up, you know, very, very similar to how we suggested and expected. I mean, Mark Ingram, the number three running back in all of fantasy right now, at least in terms of standard scoring, uh, right behind Christian McCaffrey. And Dalvin Cook. This is why we drafted him. I mean, we we thought this. We thought the Ravens would come out of the gate with this type of offense, where we would get a Mark Ingram fifteen to eighteen touches a game, and you know potentially they would showcase they would showcase him uh, early on. And you know, I think we've seen that come to you know to fruition here with with Mark Ingram. Obviously, he had the thirty one point game last week. I mean, it's hard for him to get uh, much better than that. So at 20 points per game so far on the season in standard, he is only getting the two targets a game, not as involved uh, in the passing game as we might have expected. 20 points per game in standard, 16 touches per game uh, in standard coming out, but still in a timeshare. Uh, coming out of the gate exactly as we predicted from camp. It appears it's a, you know, he's a 40 to 60% snap count guy, Mark Ingram of the Baltimore Ravens. He's sharing that load mainly with Gus Edwards as we predicted. And then Justice Hill just getting a, you know, a, a pinch of touches here and there. And I expect this is the range that Mark Ingram will stay in 40 to 60% snap count, depending on game flow, game script, barring injuries to the other guys throughout the season. Uh, I think we're headed for that 250 plus uh, touch uh, territory, you know, and just, just for comparison, think of somebody like Christian McCaffrey or even, you know, a Leonard Fournette, those guys have been getting basically hundred percent snap count in recent weeks. They're on the field, you know, depending on how many plays their team runs compared to somebody like Mark Ingram, who's a 50% snap count guy. I mean, those guys are on the field with their offenses twice as much potentially for twice as many plays so that's the reason that a 50 percent snap count guy like mark ingram who's just going bananas right out of the gate i mean that's a marker that we need to look for here the six point yard six yards per carry have been beautiful uh that's the reason i don't think the ravens will want to increase his volume uh if 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 they have if they don't have to 48 percent touchdown dependent that's another thing like the 50 percent snap count i mean that is an omen that we're going to see a little regression, high touchdown dependency, you know, above the 30 to 35% range, even for the best players, usually signals we're going to see some regression. We want organic production on the ground through the air uh, to set our baseline expectations for these players. And, you know, when you got Mark Ingram scoring half his fantasy points, 
based on you know touchdowns, you know that's not sustainable if you look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the truth. So the signs are there. Mark Ingram's an amazing running back two with running back one potential. Um, I think you're more than happy to keep him, more than happy to keep him the entire season. I know Alex is an Ingram owner, worries a little that some kind of injury hiccup could be coming soon. I mean, certainly that's understandable, but uh, amazing RB2, Mark Ingram, RB1 potential. But, you know, again, if I can get a King's ransom coming off that 31-point game, it's just it's hard to argue that Mark Ingram can get any hotter than he is right now. You know, he's a guy I could consider consider using maybe in a one-for-one deal to buy, soup, to buy in low on one of the super elite wide receivers. Uh, we'll talk about... Uh, later in the podcast and then it, it could also be a situation where Mark Ingram is potentially the most valuable guy on the entire trade market this week and in that case sometimes we have to work in reverse and uh, liquidate those players into some high upside buy lows it's not what we're usually trying to do but again there can be exceptions so maybe we'll uh, put something like that a little bit later together in the podcast, an example of what a trade might that you know might look like there. So um, <clears throat> I think you have to think about trading Mark Ingram if you own him, at least can ponder it, contemplate it, unless your roster is already overflowing with depth. Because like I said, you you may have to liquidate on a uh, unusual trade for him where he's the most valuable guy potentially on the trade market uh, this week. Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals. It's been a slow start for Joe Mixon, uh, something we expected. We really, as much as we've been on the front lines for Mixon the last two years and made a lot of cash on him in fantasy, we pretty much faded Joe Mixon at Roster Watch this year. So far, so good. Uh, at first glance, I think a less informed member in your league may look at Joe Mixon and just think, about, oh, that's Joe Mixon. He was drafted in the second round, and maybe he's a buy low. And maybe he is, but... 13 touches per game and 2.8 yards per carry for Joe Mixon. I'm getting the feeling this may just be a situation to avoid entirely in Cincinnati like we did in drafts. Uh, He still may have that name value in your league where if you're a Joe Mixon owner, you could potentially shop him. Um I was thinking to myself, maybe if I if there was a Saquon Barkley owner in my league who did not land Wayne Gallman. Joe Mixon might be a target for that owner right now who's feeling the hurt. Uh, more likely, I'd say Joe Mixon is probably a chip you'll use to buy low on a premium receiver uh, or you know package with another uh, player to kind of level up in one of these consolidation trades that we talk about. We're, we're, in, we're constantly increasing the player equity on our roster. What does that mean? Is that you know, if you were to assign a value from one to a hundred on each player on your lo- on your roster, they they would all have different values. Well, over time, you want to have as many players with as you know high of individual values as possible, and we can always do that by working the waiver wire, refreshing one to two spots uh, at the bottom of the roster, using the waiver wire cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com every week. You can listen to the waiver wire podcast on itunes just like you can listen to this every week and then of course we can continue to increase this player equity through these consolidation trades open up another spot pick up another guy off the waiver that blooms for you and do it all over again and it's just a beautiful beautiful cycle uh how we are uh just just constantly optimizing our rosters 
throughout the season. The other running back I'd say here that could be a sell is Philip Lindsay. He has the number 24 matchup of the week coming up with Jacksonville in town. It's only a 38 and a half point game total. Denver is favored, which sets up for a decent game script for their running backs. It's potentially a low scoring affair. It gets a tougher matchup. Royce Freeman did look like he was a little banged up, even though Royce Freeman's been pretty good, by the way. He's looked solid. Um, looked yeah, look look pretty good. I've been happy with Royce Freeman so far. So I don't really believe in Philip Lindsay long term. However, if if Royce, if the news is that he is a little banged up or limited this week or anything beyond that, then of course Philip Lindsay retains quite a bit of value in that situation. But you know, Royce banging his shoulder up on Sunday apparently was part of the reason that he got the the Philip Lindsay got in for the two touchdowns in the first place. So if Royce is in and going to play his full complement of snaps, which has been pretty good the last few weeks, I think you got to realize that um, you got a big 25 to 30 point performance out of Philip Lindsay this last week. Uh, It's probably a good time to strike while the iron is hot. He's looked a lot more like of a flex play through two weeks, the first two weeks before he broke out in week three and, um, you know, like I said, maybe he's a solid hold depending on the circumstances. But anytime you can capitalize on what I'd consider a sub elite player and the best game of his entire season, probably week three for Philip Lindsay, 25, 30 points, more than likely his best game of the season. I mean, by definition, it's a good time to at least, you know, consider seeing what you can get for Philip Lindsay. I do not trust Philip Lindsay long term. Let's turn the page over to some running backs that we might consider uh, pursuing this week. At the top of that market would be Josh Jacobs, Oakland Raiders running back, um, top prospect in the draft, a player that off the field has really blown us away and our interactions with him. Uh, he's certainly taken a nosedive along with basically the entire Raiders team the last couple of weeks. Uh, he, he's, he was a little banged up. And that's potentially being reflected in his snap counts. He was a 74% snap count participant in week one, a 46% snap count participant in week two, and a 42% snap count participant in week three with decreasing fantasy production every single week. However, I love Josh Jacobs' 5.1 yards per carry. I am really surprised, though. He's not getting more than one target per game. Uh, The 15.33 touches Per game out of the gate. That's actually something Alex and I debated you know, m- multiple times over the offseason. I thought he might come out as a 15 to 18 touch guy instead of just that volume workhorse right out of the gate. Um, week one, I, it looked like I was wrong, man, but it's equalized here a little over the last couple of weeks. It could do with the injuries. It could do with the matchups uh, that they have. You know, and well, look, we got to realize the other guys just stink. DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, they've been getting a little snap count each. Neither of them are doing anything right there. Josh Jacobs is the future of this franchise. You know, so if you can get him right, you know, if you can get Josh Jacobs right at a, at a, good boat buy low price i can buy into the narrative that josh jacobs has a fantastic upcoming schedule or potentially fantastic upcoming schedule which appears very juicy on paper uh it looks like it's at least five top 10 matchups over the next nine games for josh jacobs running back oakland raiders rookie running back uh, which is going to take you all the way through the end of your regular season which is a pretty good landmark right now to set yourself up for and 
you know, based on that schedule, Jacobs could be really be a guy that helps you down the stretch. He gets the buy early in week six here to reset. I think that's a very timely buy for Josh Jacobs and the entire team. And, you know, of these matchups we're looking at, he's got Indianapolis on the horizon, Green Bay on the horizon, Detroit, Cincinnati, New York Jets, Kansas City, all on the horizon with other winnable matchups sprinkled in along the way. So really potentially nice schedule moving here for Josh Jacobs. That is a player I'm personally interested in right now in any league. Uh, where I need running back help. James White, uh, the other New England Patriot we didn't talk about earlier. We shouldn't forget he was a 70 reception guy over the last three years. James White was drafted in the fifth or sixth round in a lot of leagues, especially PPR leagues. Feels like a forgotten man right now after missing only one week with the birth of his child, kind of simultaneously with the rise of... Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michelle coming out with that lead role at the outset feels very quiet on the James White front. If you can get him for cheap, he's a nice back to have in your stable. David Montgomery, one of the other rookie running backs, we've already talked about Miles Sanders and of course Josh Jacobs. David Montgomery, the other part of that kind of uh, NFL draft uh, triumvirate of premier rookie running back prospects. David Montgomery. Guys, he's getting a slow creep on touches and snaps every single week. It's been ticking up for him very slowly, and he's clearly the best running back on the team. He he may be the best player on the entire offense in pretty short order in Chicago. You know, the question mark remains, is Matt Nagy committed to a committee? I think that's absolutely possible, maybe probable, especially while Montgomery's a rookie. Um, but your league mates may only be looking at the bottom line production here for Montgomery if they haven't drilled down and they're seeing 8.5 points per game. And if you've armed yourself with more information than they have by listening to this podcast or by going to rosterwatch.com, following rosterwatch on Twitter at rosterwatch, getting a pro subscription, by the way, uh, cheap is like a fair trade cup of coffee. Um, if you have that information, if you're armed with that, you know he's getting the slow creep right now on the snaps and on the touches. And if that trajectory continues, David Montgomery is a guy I'm totally willing to take a chance on. He may ultimately be a flex play the entire rookie season, but he's a good player then that you're putting in your flex. Uh, but you can guarantee that if everything goes right, David Montgomery is a player that you can win you the season. Another running back uh, that I'd be poking around. This is pretty much strictly if I'm an Alvin Kamara owner. It appears the time is ripe to pursue Latavius Murray. This is a player you've got to want to own if you're an Alvin Kamara owner. And he just was not a viable handcuff option during drafts because Latavius Murray's ADP was so high. You had to draft him in the seventh, eighth round. There was a lot of reason to like him. Uh, but he, with the Breeze injury and with the, you know, Kamara getting the lion's share of the activity last week, uh, things have evaporated quickly for Latavius Murray. This is an opportunistic time for the Alvin Kamara owner to move in and get that high efficiency handcuff that he really coveted but knew that he could not obtain during the draft. James Conner, running back Pittsburgh Steelers, it was my 
number one fade of the first round in fantasy drafts. We'll see if that turns out to be true at the end of the season. Looks good so far. Look, James Conner, his value couldn't get much lower. Could be an avoid altogether. I mean, really may be. Um, but the guy, as we said, even though I wanted to fade him, he was a first-round pick in fantasy just a few weeks ago. And, you know, there's a lot of industry and community and crowdsourced intelligence baked into those ADPs. So even when I'm off somebody, I mean, if if he was round one worthy, he's got to think he's still got some value and some upside. But, boy, I mean, I was appalled that folks were ever even consider taking him or recommending him over a player such as Nick Chubb. Uh, so all of that together, James Conner, at least a guy you have to consider, take a look at, sniff around in your league. I think that would be prudent. And then Leonard Fournette, Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, guys, I'm not going to make a living much longer going on air and stumping for Leonard Fournette. It's been a long couple of years. Um, but I'm going to try it one last time right here, right now. It could be that with Fournette, the big, big dividends may not be immediate. And this is kind of a long play over the season to potentially greatly enhance your starting running back core. But the matchups, the upcoming matchups for Leonard Fournette are good, too. Uh, and we'll get to that in one second. You know, But let's think about the narrative over the first three weeks of the season for Fournette. You know, We came out of training camp. Uh, with a rising ADP across the industry for Leonard Fournette just because he he looked good in preseason. People were finally catching on to how big of an addition Nick Foles potentially was going to be for this team. Uh, There was just simply nobody behind Fournette to take touches away from him, and he was increasingly becoming involved uh, in the passing game. And so with that third-round ADP, it was just, you know, you're really forced – uh, to look long and hard at Leonard Fournette early third round uh, this year. There's a lot of things uh, going for him. So that was the narrative coming in. Well, then you lose Nick Foles. What is it, a half into week one of the season? I mean, that's that's a massive blow to, to Fournette's value on that team. Uh, and, you know, there's not a whole lot he could do about that. And that offensive line was was and has been still pretty bad and was atrocious to begin the season. They got dominated by the Titans. I know he looked sluggish in the sloppy field against the Titans as far as his lateral agility. You know, he, he doesn't have the best lateral agi- agility in the league, uh, but he doesn't have bad feet. That's a false narrative. And when you have a guy, one or two defenders meeting you at the mesh point with the handoff with the quarterback you, I mean, nobody I don't care if you're Walter Payton or Jim Brown those guys aren't doing anything uh, against the defense like that kind of reminds you of when Fournette would play Alabama back in college he just those were tough tough games for him you know uh, still he's been racking up without any touchdowns you know and this is one guy that without touchdowns I'd say yeah maybe he's a propensity not to score because of just the fact just the offense you know the fact that they've got a, a, a late round rookie quarterback uh running the show right now i think fournette's a guy that you can pretty much expect at 19 touches a game and rising <clears throat> is going to get out of the basement with that zero percent touchdown dependency but look you look you lose foals into a half of the of football you bring your rookie well i don't what is what what, what is um what is gardner Minshew? he's a uh Fifth round rookie. I'll have to take a look at that in a second. 
okay, yeah, sixth round pick for Gardner Minshew, even even better. <laughs> so you know, of course, that's going to be a transitionary period that's going to affect the entire offense, uh, going from Nick Foles to a sixth round. A rookie quarterback in the first few weeks of the season and with a, with an offensive line that still wasn't completely healthy and a couple of tough matchups uh, to boot you know including Tennessee and uh, Houston Houston Tennessee you guys saw how good they looked in that game and you know how they've good, looked good they've looked in recent weeks against running backs and if Houston the number 26 uh, running back matchup on our week four matchup tool that's live right now at rosterwatch.com so they weren't an easy matchup uh, either there and his two first contests with the late round uh, rookie quarterback you know 100% snap count 96% snap count 86% snap count for Leonard Fournette uh, that's astronomical and through the roof the 4.2 yards per carry are is is fine and good for Fournette almost seven targets per game I mean he's tied for number five uh, number five running back in the league uh, in targets per game just a fraction of a notch behind guys like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, number 10 in touches per game, Leonard Fournette on the season, 19 per game so far. I think that's going to go up as this offense stabilizes a little bit and can maybe recapture the game script uh, in their favor. Uh, you know, I, We see an improving wide receiver core there for sure with the emergence of DJ Chark, the other guys looking decent behind him, and Minshew beginning to look Oh, functional. So we had 20 touches a game in mind for Leonard Fournette heading into the season. We're at 19 now. I think we'll hit the tick up to that. And guys, he has the top 10 matchup this week against Denver and a top five matchup next week at Carolina. So this will this will be the last time, but I would certainly recommend this week that you go poke around on Leonard Fournette in your league and just look to see on how low you can possibly buy him. It, it really should be uh, nothing but positive regression uh, ahead for uh, Leonard Fournette running back of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's turn the page over to the wide receiver market heading into week four. We've got Allen Robinson, and we wonder, is this Groundhog's Day? This is exactly what we, this is exactly what I was afraid of for this uh, in the beginning of the season, before the season. If you looked back to last year, it was a terrible year for in the end it was a terrible year for Allen Robinson last year where he averaged you about 7 points a game in standard and it's the exact same through 3 weeks uh, this year it's 6.77 points per game in standard for Allen Robinson through 3 weeks 0% touchdown dependent he's one of these guys that you we're worried just not going to see the end zone much Trubisky sucks we think that this Nagy offense could be a little bit of a peewee offense you know, we talked about David Montgomery earlier. That's maybe a consideration you should have there as well. We aren't thrilled with the, the Matt Nagy offense. I'd say that the saving grace so far this year for Allen Robinson are the nine targets per game are a tick, about a 25% tick up over last year. But, I mean, even if you adjust his fantasy production from last year up accordingly, that you're talking about an eight-and-a-half-point game uh, guy in standard or a 10 to 15 point per game guy in half point or full point PPR. I mean, that's a wide, a wide receiver three. And some of that nine target average right now still remains from the monster target share he got in week one. That's Allen Robinson. So I'd say if your league mates haven't realized it yet that, and are still living off the preseason hype and the post week one hype for Allen Robinson, 
I just don't like Matt Nagy's passing offense. I say you ship Allen Robinson the hell out and attempt to upgrade uh, where you can. Sammy Watkins, Kansas City Chiefs, a top three wide receiver on the season. That's a laughable notion that can never be sustained. It sounds like Tyreek Hill is inching much closer to a return uh, sooner than expected. You like the 10 targets a game and the 90% snap count for Watkins. Those are hard numbers to ignore, and you obviously love being attached to Andy Reid and to Pat Mahomes. If you have to play him and keep him, it's it's totally fine. Um, But, you know, I think on the other hand, those are good selling points right now. Hill's not back, 10 targets a game, 90% snap share. I mean, Sammy Watkins' value is certainly at a recent high, if not a career high or one of his career highs. And just by definition, that makes him a player that you should – at least you own him. You should see what you can get for him. Or see if there's any deals where you could throw him into something and get a player you like more that makes sense. I mean, there are all the mouths defeating Kansas City. Of course, there's and there's plenty to go around for everybody there. So that's not a huge concern. But again, as you inch clo- closer to Tyreek Hill uh, coming back, and all of a sudden you have the Miko Hardmans and the Demarcus Robinsons of the world. It's just you know it's it's going to be impossible to pick. Uh, your week and if you remove the 47 point week one outlier from Sammy Watkins game log through three weeks he's been a wide receiver three the last two weeks so big picture it's not going to get any better for Sammy Watkins Uh, I'd see what I can get he's at maximum value right now Tyrell Williams of the Oakland Raiders we hate this Raiders team I hate Derek Carr and historically I hate Tyrell Williams as any type of lead fantasy option, always looking for a reason to sell Tyrell Williams. Anytime he be- even begins to sniff wide receiver one territory at a 50% touchdown dependency rate at less than six targets per game, uh, we are peddling the hell out of the current narrative uh, to other league mates in our league that Tyrell Williams is the lead pass option in a Raiders team that has to play from behind, and I'm selling him as fast as I can for as much as I can. Use Tyrell Williams in a package deal to go after one or more premium, uh, you know, to go after one or more premium players, you know, who you can use as full-time starters on your league. So, um Oh, to go after one more premium player. Sorry, just looking through my notes here. Yeah, that makes sense. We want to consolidate a Tyrell Williams. That's our main notion here. So take Tyrell, take an take a take a Tyrell Williams and a Philip Lindsay. Take a Tyrell Williams and a Miles Sanders and go hunting. That's what we want to do, right? Will Fuller, wide receiver, uh, Houston Texans, wide receiver, sixty on the season. Never bought it. Told you that Kenny Stills would torpedo Will Fuller's value the minute that he was acquired. Move on from Will Fuller where you can. Uh, I'd peddle his name recognition and his preseason hype. That's not going to be in value and all of value in all leagues to all owners, especially sharp competitive leagues. But I'd say there's still plenty of leagues where folks think that Will Fuller is a you know one of Deshaun Watson's favorite options and that he's. There might be there might be idiots that think he's actually a buy low right now. Adam Thielen, wide receiver, Minnesota Vikings. Guys, I told you this was going to be a big burly edition of the two thousand inaugural edition episode of the two thousand nineteen rosterwatch.com tradecast where we break down extensively uh, the fantasy football trade market every week of the season throughout 
uh, trade season. And you can find much, much more with all of our tools with the pro subscription at rosterwatch.com. And guys, we put tons of free, uh, tons of this free content content out every single week on iTunes with the free roster watch podcast. We encourage you to please, uh, go subscribe, uh, leave a fantastic rating and review, and we'll put you in the pot, in the raffle, uh, for the next, uh, Roster Watch Pro annual subscription giveaways. Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. I am not feeling the Thielen. At five targets per game and 51% touchdown dependency, Kirk Cousins sucks, and this looks like a Dalvin Cook team. Uh, never forget what Adam Thielen did to owners down the stretch last year. And you know, just be a witness to what's happening to Stefan Diggs right now. I would use that as a cautionary tale and we're not feeling Thielen. So I'm trading Alan, Th- Adam Thielen. Shit. I mean, you don't want him to turn into Alan Thielen, your neighbor, Alan Thielen. That's exactly what you're worried about. I'm trading Adam Thielen and I'm looking to level up uh, wherever I can. Uh, last but not least on the sell side of the wide receiver market heading into week four is going to be Nelson Aguilar. This was an ephemeral play. He may or may not have value in your league. We knew it would be short-lived, and his uh, primary value would be derived from uh, the vacuum and pass catchers that an injured Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson uh, would leave in their wake. And certainly it's been a great waiver wire play the last week or two. Aguilar, you know, Alshon is coming back, but Deshaun Jackson is not. So, look, if you can – there may be folks that still think Aguilar is a good play coming off of two really good weeks. His targets have been through the roof. I mean, if I can throw him in to put a deal over the top right now, I'm certainly, certainly not, not just more than happy to do it. That's exactly what I'm looking to do. If I have a Nelson Aguilar right now. All right, guys, let's get over to the buy side of the, Uh, wide receiver market this week and we kind of teased it coming in the headliner for this you know big robust trade market was really going to be the super elite wide receivers you know the top guys you know from round one really uh, they look like they are potentially available in fantasy leagues right now let's begin with Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers I mean his seven targets per game truly is a concerning number Uh, I hope Matt LaFleur doesn't kind of do to him the wide receiver version of what he did to Derrick Henry last year in Tennessee as the play caller there, uh, you know, which just, it devolved into a cannibalistic situation that it never should have when you have such an alpha dog like an Adams or a Henry. Uh, the, overall, the Packers offense, I mean, it just kind of, you know, the, the prowess of Aaron Rodgers', Rodgers offense is, is, regressing over time and it, that's been going on for some time now i'm not seeing that really fixing itself this year maybe this is a team that calls a better offense for what they are now and what he is now and they can be more successful with it but as far as is this going to be a prolific return to any kind of aaron Rodgers offense of the past i would be highly skeptical uh, of that so though that along with the seven targets per game and some of the unknowns about matt lafleur will get you Goosey about Devontae Adams, but the fact is he's currently wide receiver 50 on the season in our league, so there's just not a whole lot else to say. You know, Go find the 0-3 teams in your league that roster Devontae Adams. He has a beautiful matchup with Philadelphia this week. Uh, it's a get-right spot. If he's on the roster of an 0-3 team in your league, uh, even though there's some concerning indicators here at wide receiver 50, 
uh, three weeks through, I think you got to go take a stab over at Devontae Adams this week. Uh, the same could go for Michael Thomas in a different situation, playing with Teddy Bridgewater uh, in New Orleans while Drew Brees is out. Um, he's definitely taking a hit right now. You saw the targets and the snap counts come down. Still got in the end zone this last week with Bridgewater. I, th- I think they're going to be able to hold the fort down there. And, uh, you know, I'd expect Michael Thomas is going to remain a solid wide receiver, too, uh, even while Teddy Bridgewater is at the helm. And look, at this point, we're about four to six weeks out from getting Drew Brees back. Unfortunately, the Saints' bye is going to be hitting right around that time, too, in week nine. So really, it's like week 10 where you're aiming for in a Michael Thomas trade for, you know, big, big impact. Week 10 and beyond kind of uh, like we said that that towards the end of the regular season, it's we don't we can't be playing. We need we got to be trying to win now. I mean, the number one rule in fantasy is to try to win now, right now. So you have to be probably a three and team with a good roster to sacrifice what's necessary to go after Michael Thomas. But uh, you know, uh, that could be a guy that would give you a massive boost uh, down the stretch when you're trying to fortify your starting lineup heading in uh, to the fantasy. Uh, uh, playoffs. So uh, I think he's a wide receiver too. In the meantime, uh, this would be a bit of an investment in your, in your future pursuing somebody like Michael Thomas uh, this week. So it's not a great matchup either with the Dallas secondary, you know, again, so he, Michael Thomas may ultimately be a hold in most leagues. Uh, that'll be hard to come to the right terms on the right deal. But if I'm three, you know, I'm definitely investigating, uh, uh, the situation surrounding Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints wide receiver in my league. And then the other super elite wide receiver uh, this week on the trade market certainly could be available in your league um, on a point per game basis. DeAndre Hopkins has been a wide receiver too on the season. He has been getting over nine targets a game, but he's, you know, there's certainly a bunch of guys out targeting him. Uh, so far through the season and look it could be another difficult matchup this week against Carolina in week four for Hopkins so we might have another bite at this apple next week but why wait I mean if you've got the assets and if there's a struggling owner 0-3 with DeAndre Hopkins I mean we always say 0-3-0-4 is when we're going to swoop in operate from a position of strength and we want to we want to circle like vultures vultures and we want to you know, pick the brains out of uh, our opponents, the other league mates in our leagues. We want to destroy and pillage their rosters. So if you can get a Devontae Adams, a Michael Thomas, or DeAndre Hopkins this week, um, you want to treat each of them a little bit differently. Uh, you know, you're, there's not many other opportunities to do this. These are the truly elite players in all of fantasy. Uh, so, it, uh, you know, it, based on that, you, you would be, it would be negligent. Uh, not to at least investigate a couple more potentially by low wide receivers. Robert Woods of the Los Angeles Rams has not gotten in the end zone yet. Uh, he's averaging the same to actually a tad, a tiny fraction, uh, a fractional amount more uh, targets than Brandon Cooks, who's outperformed Woods uh, to date. Uh, we've said it for a couple of years now going to Rams camp uh, basically annually that that offense with golf, even though he's a decent late, you know, late round quarterback option in a McVay offense, that offense can never really support more than two of those wide receivers in a given week, but it, it certainly can support two of those three in a given week. So, you know, in my opinion, Woods, Robert Woods time will is probably still to come a little bit. 
Uh, he would be a solid addition as a wide receiver four or a flex option to any team. I mean, let's uh, granted Cooper Cup missed a fair amount of time last year, but we shouldn't forget Robert Woods finished last year as a really solid wide receiver two in standard and in PPR. You know, so more than likely, it's been a slow start. His best days are probably ahead of him, and I wouldn't think he'd have to give up too much for Robert Woods at this point. And then we should turn the page. Over to Adam Thielen's teammate, Stefan Diggs, who was part of our cautionary tale uh, about Thielen, what's currently going on with Diggs, and what is currently going on with Stefan Diggs. He's been in the missing person program. Less than five points per game in standard for Stefan Diggs, wide receiver Minnesota Vikings through three weeks, only four targets per game, uh, and, and still all, that, all of that production is still at a 42%. A touchdown dependency clip which is you know well above where we where we want to see it so you know, Stefan Diggs and the way Kirk Cousins and the way this offense is looking you know all around could be a situation to avoid altogether um you know but based on Stefan Diggs's historic performance and the draft capital recently used uh to draft him I mean he is by definition some form of a buy low right now and i mean truthfully it can't get any worse it has to it can only get better for stefan Diggs. what better means that remains to be seen a little bit so you know a lot of this your level of interest in stefan Diggs will be directly related to what his price tag is in your league you know we shouldn't forget that historically coming into this season stefan Diggs is one of the safer wide receivers in all of fantasy football so based on his career this is certainly uh you know, a little bit of an outlier, what we're seeing here and, uh, an anomaly uh, again, similar to Robert Woods, Diggs finished as a very solid wide receiver too last year, better than Woods. Uh, he's barely cracked the top 75 wide receivers in all of fantasy through three games this season. So you're thinking a guy that was a top 12 to 18 fantasy wide receiver on the season last year. Not much has changed except for Cook. Dalvin has uh, re-entered the picture and certainly kind of taken that offense and that and that team over. Um, you know, but the math just kind of dictates here that there's got to be some big games ahead for Stephon Diggs uh, and some form of positive regression, uh, and especially after such a slow start. And, you know, it could be possible this run game actually ultimately opens things up finally for the passing game in Minnesota. However, it does not get easy this week at Chicago. Uh, so this might be – Stefan Diggs might be the type of guy, uh, you know, maybe maybe we wait one more week. He has another bad week, and then you can really get him for peanuts. Um, you know, on the other hand, maybe, you know, we looked at some options earlier. Maybe I'm a Rex Burkhead owner. And he's done really well for me, and I don't need him, but I need to improve my wide receiver situation. You know, maybe Robert Woods or Stefan Diggs are the type of guys that I could go after with somebody uh, like a Rex Burkhead. All right, everybody, we're going to move on now to a group of players that I kind of categorized as, you know, what should I do with these players? It's not necessarily clear whether they're a sell, a buy, or a hold. I've seen a lot of these names flying around our message boards at rosterwatch.com. Uh, and so I wanted to share these with you. Let's begin with Saquon Barkley. I mean, obviously, the you know, one of the biggest stories of the entire week is that he's going to miss so much time with a, uh, a bad ankle injury. Uh, you know, the most reasonable situation, you know, uh, to a 
try to obtain Saquon Barkley if that's what you have in mind. Is if you're a three and O team with excellent depth and you happen to have an O and three team in your league who rosters Barkley. I think that's that's probably one of the only scenarios where I could see something getting done this week with Barkley because you're going to have to pony up if you're the three and O team and 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 wants him even though he's hurt for so long, and you know the O and three team obviously is staring down the barrel right now and it's probably pretty hard for them to manage how they're going to make it uh, without Barkley and of course this this would be in the case too that they were not one of the teams who got Gallman Wayne Gallman as a top waiver wire priority so the most likely scenario for any type of Barkley deal to happen this week is a loaded 3-0 team to approach a lowly 0-3 team who rosters Barkley that did not happen to get Gallman on waivers I think there could be something that could get done there. And look, if you're the team pursuing Saquon Barkley, even with the big the injury for so many weeks, you're still going to need to send two solid flex players uh, for somebody like Barkley. You know, maybe you could do a Joe Mixon straight up to the Barkley owner. Maybe a Philip Lindsay or a Philip Lindsay in a throw-in. Those are some other alternatives. Uh, maybe we could get something done almost primarily in a one-for-one. Uh, maybe if you have Mixon and you're loaded behind him somehow, you just trade Mixon straight up for Barkley. I, I, I actually really like that d- idea. Um, otherwise, I think you're looking at sending two flex players or two you know starters still for Saquon Barkley if you want him. Uh, but I think you might be able to get him from the 0-3 team if that's, uh, if that's true. Uh, Wayne Gallman, if you're somebody who picked up Wayne Gallman off of waivers but you don't roster – Saquon Barkley, I mean, you've either picked up a, it's a really nice flex play for the foreseeable future or, you know, I, what I would certainly be doing unless I was desperately needed Gallman as a flex play, I would go find the Saquon Barkley owner who wasn't able to get him on waivers and I would see what kind of deal I could done. And, you know, um, but you got to remember, you're the one with the leverage here. So, uh, you got to kind of make the the Barkley owner. You you can initiate the trade talks, but you want the Barkley owner is going to have to still they're going to have to pay up for Wayne Gallman. You've got their you got you got their peanuts in your hand, and you can really twist them hard if you want to. It's an zero three Saquon Barkley team who did not get Wayne Gallman. Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks, just under four targets per game, 18 touches per game. Those numbers are nice, but he's fumbled every week of the season. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry, and his snaps have decreased uh, every week so far as well, from 77% snap count in week one to 54% in week two to 44% in week three. Uh, Chris Carson also a little bit touchdown dependent. You know, this one could go either way. I think most of this is going to depend on how Chris Carson performs this week at Arizona, where the Seahawks are favored by five points. Uh, you already see some people on Twitter and, you know, in the fantasy ethos, you know, saying that this is the same spot where Christian McCaffrey went bananas last week. So this could be a get right spot for Chris Carson. You know, but we need to remember there was a huge play involved. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey's production last year that Chris Carson could never make in his wildest dreams. I and mean, he, he could never even dream of making the type of play that uh, Christian McCaffrey made uh, last week against Arizona. And look, if you refer over to the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com where we bake in uh, a lot of other proprietary analytics and uh, defensive modeling, 
uh, other than just fantasy points against into our matchup tool. Um, Arizona Cardinals is it's 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 not some amazing matchup for fantasy running backs. If you want to see what that is, if you want to see what all the matchups are for all the fantasy running backs in football this year, just go over to rosterwatch.com, get yourself a pro subscription, and you can check out the matchup tool along with all these other tools, the snap counts, touches, and targets tool. That's where I'm bringing you guys all of this information uh, about uh, the individual snap percentages for all these players uh, that we're discussing, the touchdown dependency tool. Uh, is where a lot of this uh, data is coming from. And certainly, you know, you guys can come see this for all the players uh, in the league uh, for yourself. So, look, uh, Rashad Penny could obviously be back in the mix this week if he returns from uh, his week off uh, last week with his what was deemed to be a minor injury. I think the key here with Chris Carson is that he has to reassert himself this week against Arizona or this thing is going to devolve into a timeshare. So the, I think the action here is if Rashad Penny is out, maybe you can keep Chris Carson for one more week, see if he recaptures uh, what looked like a stranglehold on that running back position with a, a in Seattle with a big performance, or see if you know even if you don't buy into him, see if you can get his trade value up a little bit more, and uh, then ship him off. If Rashad Penny is coming back this week, and I'm a Chris Carson owner, I'm super goosey that he's not going to get the chance to have the big blow up game this week that gets him totally out of the doghouse and re-cements his spot as the lead guy, and that this thing continues to. Devolve. So I think what I'm hoping, if I'm a Chris Carson owner, is if I hear Rashad Penny is coming back, I'm hoping that some other owner in my league isn't really baking that in too much into their valuation of Carson. And I'm going to try to pedal. I'm going to try to get rid of Carson this week if I think Penny's coming back and just try to get out in front of this situation. If, if it sounds like Penny's not coming back, I will, I'll keep Chris Carson more than likely hold Chris Carson for another week and see what happens, uh, against Arizona where he should have most of the backfield to himself, but not all of it. CJ pro size. Some of this has to do with the fumbling, but pro size cut in CJ stinking pro size cut in with 40% last week. So you know what, if that scares you and you just went out of the Carson business right now, I wouldn't totally blame you for it, but you could sell that potential matchup. People looking at fantasy points against are thinking this is an excellent matchup coming up with Arizona. Maybe this is the time uh, to do something there. Melvin Gordon, Los Angeles Chargers. We have the information coming in today that it's looking like he could be closer to a return. I'd say at this point, he's more than likely a hold for anybody who rosters him. Tevin Coleman. Uh, You're certainly nervous if you're a Coleman owner that, what you knew was going to be a committee that you thought Coleman could at least be in charge of. You're certainly concerned now that this just may be full blown committee, just bar none, you know, period. On the other hand, you've held Coleman for this long. We're about to get on the other side of the bye. He's getting close to returning. If, if you, from what we saw in week one, Tevin Coleman, it was going to be a committee, but he looked the best. He was going to be the lead guy. Uh, I think just you'll see the ebbs and the flows of this thing where he may, may, may not be a weekly starter, but Tevin Coleman eventually at some point this season is going to be a very valuable player. So if you've held him this long, I'd say you're probably inclined to hold him uh, at this point. You know, 
that said, if he were to come right out of the gate and have a couple of spectacular games, this might be a player we're talking about later in the season uh, that we're ready to sell out of a Kyle Shanahan uh, backfield. Then we have LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams, the running backs in Kansas City. More than likely, both of those guys holds right now for uh, different reasons, but those are names that I see flying around. I think those are names people aren't quite sure how they should be treating them, viewing them, what they should be doing with them. And I'd say the most likely outcome right now for LaShawn McCoy owners and Damian Williams owners is going to be to stand pat. Now let's turn our attention over to the kind of the wide receiver group of players of, you know, what do I do with these players right now? It's not clear, you know, how I should treat these guys. You know, do they need to be traded? Do they need to be held? Uh, at Amari Cooper, he's been a very high end wide receiver one so far. I believe it's a top five fantasy receiver so far to begin the season. Um, but he's been over 50% touchdown dependent. Uh, the saving grace for, uh, the saving grace for Cooper though, uh, could be that he's only had seven targets per game, which should increase. But guys, these were the concerns you know we had coming in the season. How much volume can the Cowboys passing offense sustain? And you know, is Amari Cooper, you know, is he ultimately kind of a, a boom bust guy? You know, which his current metrics at seven targets and fifty percent touchdown dependency suggest is a real possibility if his volume uh, doesn't increase. Um, so, you know, that is something we need to be mindful of with Amari Cooper right now. I'd say he's mostly a keep. I'd say Amari Cooper's mostly a keep, and I expect his targets to go up. And I do think it's a better version of him in Dallas than we've seen before. But, you know, we heard about the MRI again today, even though it doesn't sound like much. I would ship Amari Cooper and maybe even another low-end, like, sell-high guy for somebody like DeAndre Hopkins all day, every day. And I think that you should consider doing the same if you're an Amari Cooper owner. Speaking of Amari Cooper, what about Cooper Cup? Uh, he came out of the gates this season just in a fashion that, I mean, just white-hot, on fire, in a, in a way that I can't even believe. It looks like it's an Adrian Peterson-style recovery from that ACL injury for Cooper Cup. Um, he's come out of the gate as a wide receiver one in fantasy. I mean, I think he's number 13. So basically, and it's, it's very close between that and like number 10. So Cooper Cup's coming out of the gates, essentially wide receiver one in fantasy off the ACL injury at 10.33 targets per game. Jared Goff just worries me right now um, in terms of, I think he was a decent play last year, but I just don't think we're seeing that offense grow that much into where it's going to be real, real prolific um you know you also have brandy cooks and you also have robert woods cup clearly the lead guy we've always said i mean he's golf's favorite player in the red zone and i mean that's golf's security blanket but cooks and woods are very very good players it's going to be a little bit of a you know round robin around there and you know i think cooper cup is mostly a keep because he's such a he is such an important piece of that offense and you know i think mostly what he's doing is fairly sustainable right now but dude he's having a monster start to the season and i would say that you would at least be prudent to consider whether you can take cooper cup and use him to land a real real big fish because if i can then i become very interested getting a lot of questions about what to do with antonio brown I personally just can't see him playing anytime soon, which is pretty much all we're worried about in regards to this fantasy season. Is is he going to play soon? I mean, can't be worried too far down the road. We're trying trying to win right now. 
Uh, and so I think you're safe to drop Antonio Brown if, if you need to. Uh, I'd say if you want to hold him for one more week just to make sure, I wouldn't have a major problem with that. Um, but either, either way, you're likely going to need to cut bait on Antonio Brown sooner than later. That roster spot is too valuable to be carrying that dead weight all year. It, it just handcuffs you. It handcuffs you from being able to make these trade moves, being able to make these waiver moves that are going to have this effect on your overall roster of increasing this player equity, increasing the overall value and prowess of your team over the season. When you have a dead waiver spot because you've just got Antonio Brown sitting there, it really, really neuters your ability to do this. You got to have one to two spots a week that you know uh, you can make moves with. So set yourself free and drop Antonio Brown sooner than later. AJ Green, if you're 3-0, I suppose you can investigate. Uh, I would give up no more than a flex player for A.J. Green. And I would ideally be peddling an overvalued you know, like flex two to a desperate 0-3 team who owns A.J. Green. So, you know, who were some flex twos we talked about earlier? Uh, let's have a look here. Uh, you know, maybe I can sell a... Maybe I can sell a Rex Burkhead. You know, can I sell a Tyrell Williams? You know, or a uh, Rex Burkhead for an AJ Green? That's the kind of deal you're looking to make there. That's the kind of deal you're looking to make there. Tyreek Hill, Kansas City Chiefs, sounds like he's nearing a return. I'd say he's a hold or a buy. Mike Williams, Los Angeles Chargers, Probably a hold, could be a buy. He did go 90% snaps last week, which was a huge uptick for him. I think he's likely healthy now. He's a little balky out of the gate there. Only five points per game to begin the season, so his owners could be super disappointed. But that 90% snap count rate is very, very encouraging. We do know that Tom Telesco, the Chargers general manager, we asked him about Mike Williams at the NFL Combine, and he... He pretty clearly told us that Mike Williams' ceiling is limited in this offense, you know, like a 70, 80, I want to say it was a 70, 80 catch guy. So take that for what it is. Still think he can be a really nice wide receiver three. He's showing some, uh, he had the 10 touchdowns last year, and he's certainly showing he's got some of that red zone value again this year, especially without Hunter Henry gone. And look, we know Melvin Gordon is getting close to coming back, but we've said all along, as long as Gordon is out, we like this Chargers offense. Think Mike Williams is a fine player to hold, or if you have somebody that's just totally disenfranchised with him in your league, or you know, that's a guy I don't mind taking in return for a, uh, in a trade if uh, his current owner does not value him. And I'd say it's uh, going to be tougher to swing a deal with Calvin Ridley, but I'd treat him somewhat similarly to Williams. I, he's a, probably a hold uh, you know, or could be a buy. Uh, yeah, he's an awesome – he's really a potentially awesome fantasy player, but you know he had the really bad down week last week after a decent start to the year. Uh, I think people could potentially be very worried about Atlanta. That, that offense doesn't just look that great. Dan Quinn is starting to look like – a shitty uh, head coach, and it has been proving, starting to prove a little bit true in the last couple of weeks. As the insiders there in Atlanta told me when I went through Falcons training camp this summer, was that as much as you know, Ridley has all the makings of the wide receiver two on that team. Mohamed Sanu is just not going to go away, and you know we've seen him the last couple of weeks continue to cut into what might otherwise be going to Ridley if they had a lesser wide receiver three. 
than Sanu. So it was started pretty hot for Calvin Ridley, but it was an absolutely dreadful week three, one catch. Uh, it was a one catch, six yard game. So you know, maybe folks are feeling a little bit antsy uh, about Calvin Ridley right now. Let's see who his matchup is. It's a tough matchup with the Tennessee Titans this week. Uh, so this could be just a name to monitor. Like I said, probably a hold for Calvin Ridley. Could be on the precipice of becoming a buy. And I'd say the same thing with Tyler Boyd and John Ross in Cincinnati. You have folks. Uh, actually, I would I would say something different with John Ross and Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati. You have folks beginning to ask about what they should do with those guys in case AJ Green, you know, starts getting closer to a return. And you know, both Tyler Boyd and John Ross have really probably. Uh, in, in some ways overperformed uh, to begin the season. You know, we certainly thought Boyd was going to be a solid asset coming in. He's been that. And I think he's more likely the guy that you you feel safer to hold of the two. And, and John Ross, to me, appears to be – he's a real deal, I think, now. I think he's a real uh, player in fantasy and a real player in football. So Boyd and Ross, I do believe you can hold, um, but they have – probably performed maybe a little better than they may over the long term, especially John Ross. And there is an A.J. Green return on the horizon. And this is just a terrible uh, Bengals team. You know, so them playing behind actually could play, it does play to the receiver's benefits. So Tyler Boyd, John Ross, just two guys, people are kind of throwing their hands up and saying, eh, what should I do with them after this start? And But in a kind of an uncertain future. And I'd say at this point, they are still a hold or a sell. And then a couple more here, guys, before we get to, I'm going to give you a couple examples of some trades I might consider making uh, in addition to ones we've already discussed earlier before we get out of here. Uh, also getting questions about what to do with Lamar Jackson. Um, I mean, Lamar Jackson just been an ultra premium quarterback to begin the season. Basically, exactly what we thought he was going to be. Uh, I would say that many of you who use the draft cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com drafted Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. I know uh, we had a big run in August on the standard and half point PPR sheet where Lamar Jackson uh, was was the, the, the guy we were getting massive exposure to uh, as a quarterback uh, in, in our draft. So. Look, he's an ultra-premium option. He's going to stay a very, very good option. Is he going to stay a top-three quarterback that's matching Patrick Mahomes tit-for-tat? Unlikely. It's still a low-volume passing offense that's going to be run-centric. It's still kind of like a multi-tight and formational deal. He is, you've seen and he's gotten the rushing yards one week, but not necessarily in the other weeks. So that's still going to be there some. But like we said, more as a scrambler than a design runner, so not to the extent in the past. So, you know, I'd expect Lamar Jackson is, and he's going to, look, he still misses some throws. He's going to he's gonna come down to earth a little bit. Still probably a top five, you know, quarterback, you know, rest of season. Uh, so he is going to come, it could come down a little bit. So people are asking, you know, what the heck should I do with them? Because this has been just an outrageous beginning of the season for large Lamar Jackson. And I would just say to most folks, you're going to want to keep Lamar Jackson. You are going to want to keep Lamar Jackson. He is the real deal. We've been telling you this uh, from Jump Street, but he, he probably has had his best game of the season uh, in Week One. And you know, when you look at the rest of the quarterbacks out there, you know, there's you know, you still got the Josh Allen's and the Kyler Murray's and uh, the, even the Philip Rivers of the world. All these guys lurking around that QB twelve, you know, low end quarterback one spot and. Those are all very, very good options that many of you 
drafted right behind Lamar Jackson. And some of you picked up a Daniel Jones this week who's showing some promise. So I get it with the savvy players who are saying, man, Lamar Jackson is just playing out of his mind right now. I've got other good quarterbacks on the bench. I think that these they may never catch Lamar Jackson this year, but I think they'll ultimately they're going to converge on the season with him and they're all going to be QB ones and Jackson's not going to stay a top two or top three guy. So can I get a King's ransom for him and upgrade my starting roster elsewhere? I mean, I'd say that's, that's, that is a sharp and, you know, a bit of an expert move, but sometimes you outsmart yourself a little bit. When you have a player that's that good, uh, you be a little bit circumspect uh, in your dealings with them. However, uh, yeah, if you could, for the right price, anybody's available. And if you've got the right alternatives, I do think Lamar Jackson is a guy that can be moved. And then um, <clears throat> kind of bottom of the barrel here, one tight end for you. Obviously, Greg Olson has just performed, you know, just like a banshee. Uh, to begin the season, and we we again we were at Panthers training camp. Reported to you right here on this podcast, the Roster Watch podcast, over at iTunes. Please subscribe. Please give, give us a five star rating and a, a wonderful review, and we'll put you in the uh, next lottery for a free annual pro membership at RosterWatch.com. Uh, look, we told you on this podcast from Panthers training camp, Spartanburg, Carolina, that Greg Olson was reemerging as a legitimate late round tight end option. Uh, this year as a matter of fact I mean he was it was kind of Greg Olson TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews uh, at least over on the standard and point five PPR draft sheet sheet that was those were the folks we were driving everybody towards uh, late at tight end and you know we always kind of air towards drafting tight ends a little bit later anyways there so a lot of you guys might have Greg Olson he's been super hot out of the gate you know I think you just play it for what it's worth and more than likely you're just keeping him in love and life right now uh, because you know nobody else gets too interested about a Greg Olson. But on the other hand, if there is somebody who's really kind of desperate at tight end and maybe you've developed an option like a Will Disley off of waivers uh, last night, or maybe you've identified a tight end that you think is a buy low opportunity that we haven't discussed on this podcast. I mean, Olson is the kind of guy maybe you could get some – you know, he would generate some interest in a package deal to another owner that's, you know, in in a situation who's either disenfranchised with the OJ Howards of the world and he's like, you know what, I need a running back too. I'll take Greg Olson and you know, and in Rex Burkhead or whatever it is for, you know, OJ Howard. I'm not saying that's what we recommend doing. It could be Kittle on by this week. You know, by the way, the narrative that this is a great week to begin, you know, to, to target players who are on by is kind of amateurish and idiotic. At some point that becomes relevant later in the season, but with only two teams on by this week, that is, that's going to be a f- unlikely uh, scenario uh, to run in. So guys, before we wrap up, let me give you a few uh, examples of maybe we talk about how we want to consolidate uh, throughout the uh, season, throughout the trade market over the course of time. Uh, and, and really upgrade our, our rosters and our player equity throughout our rosters through these consolidation trades. I'm going to give you a couple examples of those, and then let me give you an example of what we might do with an us- unusual or unique player like Mark Ingram this week. And uh, let, we'll, obviously we'll use some of the players that we discussed here on uh, the podcast today. So let's say we want to go after Josh Jacobs or Leonard Fournette, guys who we've identified uh, we potentially have some buy low interest in, and maybe we have a need at running back. You know, you know, my question is: Can you, in your league, 
Can you mostly take a Sammy Watkins or mostly take an Adam Thielen either straight up or maybe with something very, very small in addition? And can you get a Josh Jacobs or a Leonard Fournette from a disenfranchised owner, you know, with that kind of deal right now? You know, can can you do that? Or, you know, can you go above? We talked about Sonny Michelle, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, maybe even Philip Lindsay here. Uh, can you take any of those guys and throw a Will Fuller or an Nelson Aguilar? You know, I suppose maybe even somebody a little bit better in there. And can you package them with one of these other sell high running backs like a Miles Sanders or a Sonny Michelle or Philip Lindsay or an Austin Eckler? And can you upgrade to a Leonard Fournette and a Josh Jacobs? And really all you're giving up is some crappy wide receiver that you don't really care about. So look, that 0-3 team that rosters Josh Jacobs or Leonard Fournette, they may really need another flex play. So if you can offer them a Watkins or a Thielen, or any of these running backs I just mentioned, and maybe one other guy that's at least a, somebody they can start, looks like somebody they can start at least for a little while. I mean, I'd say there's a chance you can get something done there or something close to that. That's how I would approach a trade for Josh Jacobs or Leonard Fournette. I would try to take either one overvalued wide receiver or a couple of overvalued you know, flex players from my roster, and I would try to parlay them into the player that I view has much more player equity uh, rest of season. Uh, let's flip the script over the wide receivers. Let's say we want to go after Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins. Um, we're already set at running back, so we don't need Jacobs or Fournette. Well, if I want to go after Adams or Hopkins, you know, same thing. Can I take a Sammy Watkins? Can I take an Allen Robinson? Can I take a Tyrell Williams, an Adam Thielen, a Will Fuller? You know, can I take any, can I take two of those guys? And send them to the Hopkins or Adams owner. Can I take Sammy Watkins and Tyrell Williams and get DeAndre Hopkins right now? Can I take Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen and get DeAndre or get Devontae Adams right now? I mean, you might be able to do it for less. Can you take, uh, you know, maybe it'd probably have to be a Tyrell Thielen combo or, an, or a Robinson Tyrell combo or Robinson Thielen combo with Watkins? You might get away because he's number three wide receiver in fantasy so far. Maybe you can get away with only dumping somebody like a Fuller or another low-end flex play in there to just turn those guys into Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, the two you know, top fa- receivers in all of fantasy uh, just a few weeks ago in all of our drafts and two, still two of the very, very best players attached to good quarterbacks. I mean, those are solid options. I mean, and these, are, these are trades I think can actually uh, happen this week. And then let's flip the script down to Mark Ingram. Uh, We've talked mostly about trades where we're looking to consolidate. That's the name of our game this week and throughout the uh, rest of the season, you know, uh, in principle. Uh, On occasion, we are going to need to make a liquidation trade. uh, And we found ourselves potentially in that situation this week if we're a Mark Ingram owner. Uh, Like we said, he's a guy I'm more than happy to hold as my RB2 the rest of the season. But we outline the reasons above why you might consider moving Mark Ingram, you know, the problem is, you know, maybe you can use him to do a deal on Hopkins or Adams, somebody super elite like that, uh, maybe straight up, but, but that, that, that feels a little rich right now with this play as much as Ingram's playing. I, I just, I feel like I want more. So in the end, it, I, I can't help but think Mark Ingram is basically the most valuable guy on the entire trade market. Uh, this week. And so when that's the case, who are you going to trade him for? Who are you going to trade him for? Maybe you can go after, you know, a super elite running back. I know I said, don't target guys on the buy. I mean, maybe you can go after a Le'Veon Bell on the buy 
you know, plus something with the Darnold return, uh, returning, you know, some, something along those lines. Maybe you could get after, you know, a Zeke or a Dalvin Cook with Ingram in the right package. I suppose those are consolidation trades I would certainly look at making. I just didn't spend too much time thinking about those because guys aren't Zeke and Dalvin Cook and those guys aren't buy lows right now, right? So, but I suppose if you're leveling up enough, uh, it still takes, even though Mark Ingram is the most valuable guy on the trade market this week, if you're going all the way to a super elite player, I would recommend that you're going to want to take Ingram and maybe one more guy and, and see if you can get that done. But I'd say a liquidation trade is another very likely scenario for Ingram owners just because his value is so astronomical right now. And what does that mean? That's where you're breaking Ingram down into multiple pieces that you're acquiring. So you would either do that in the scenario where you're a team who's struggling to fill out your flex position every week and you need to improve your starting roster. You could be a team that just lacks uh, bench depth and maybe has some buys on the horizon and needs to improve there. Or it could simply be that you're just getting two players you really like in return from Mark Ingram. And look, we are playing a consolidation game, but early in the season we are uh, we are trying to fade the attrition of the fantasy season. You guys seen how many injuries have occurred already. Uh, so when that's the case, you do early in the season, a liquidation trade can be acceptable because it's going to help us bolster, fortify our roster and withstand kind of the roller coaster of injuries, you know, to come. But again, for Mark Ingram, it's going to take two, what I'd call uh, good players. So I, uh, if I was trading Mark Ingram right now, uh, to hedge against the attrition of the season because I think he's playing out of his mind and I don't think he can maintain it, then I've got to get two starters that I like. The only other option with Mark Ingram is to use him, use him, maybe use one other guy and go after the most elite of the elite players in all of fantasy, the Zeke Elliott's, uh, you know, the, da- the Dalvin Cooks, the Christian uh, McCaffrey's of the world. All right, Roster Watch Nation, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to every episode of the season. Can't wait to see you over on the message boards at the site, rosterwatch.com. Hope to see you on Twitter at rosterwatch. And certainly hope that all of you join us next week on the Roster Watch podcast for the epic trade cast on iTunes. Until next time, Roster Watch Nation, be good. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.